Hello, I'm Haya, and thank you for welcoming us into your ears. You've tuned in to Human Awareness, a podcast about what it means to be human and the various ways that that shows up for people. And hi, I'm Kate, and I'm so glad to have you here with us. Haya and I are representing the Human Awareness Institute, or HI for short, as we explore important themes related to love, intimacy, and sexuality. Obviously, our podcast can't replace our workshops, but we hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Shall we get started with the interview? Yes. Come settle in with me and I'll hit play. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Human Awareness Podcast. Um, I'm here with my uh, wonderful co-host, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Haya. And we have a super special guest, um, Yoni. Um, Yoni, would you mind telling us your name and which pronouns you use? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Dr. Yoni Alkin. I use he, him pronouns. Um, And I'm really delighted to be here with you all today. I'm so excited to have you. Um, Yoni, um, you do so many wonderful and interesting things. I think the first time I met you was at a storytelling event uh, where you were playing something called Bango, which is bingo, but for uh, kinksters, I guess, where (laughs) I was invited to go around the room and ask people questions that I, the first time I played it, I was blushing like a schoolgirl. It was wonderful. Um, But why are you on the podcast? What What is exciting about you today? Yeah. So thank you so much. Uh, I, I actually, you're right. Like I do various different things. I'm a sexual educator and sexual consultant, but today I'm here to talk with you about uh, my professional cuddling. And I do professional cuddling both uh, one-on-one and in uh, group events that are called cuddle parties. Uh, I've also published The Book of Cuddles, which is basically an instructional for cuddling Mm. and done all sorts of other things uh, that you can look online as well. So as a very enthusiastic amateur cuddler, uh, (laughs) what, what does a professional cuddler do? Yeah, definitely. So before we talk about professional cuddling, let's talk about cuddling in general. What is cuddling? And cuddling is kind of a confusing uh, term, but it's the best term we have so far. Uh, And I like to define it as uh, non-sexual consensual touch. And basically it means exactly that. So it is non-sexual. It's important to make that distinction that this is not a sexual activity. Uh, It is consensual. Consent is at the base of this activity. And Touch is actually not the right term because it doesn't have to include touch, but usually it does. Um, I also like to call it intentional attention. We're giving someone intentional attention at the time. Um, So it doesn't have to include touch, but we can talk about that a little bit later. So that's basically what cuddling is. Professional cuddling um, is basically... uh, taking someone who does that as their profession and paying them for those services of someone who really knows how to cuddle, but also knows how to hold a container that it will be safe for the cuddly as well, for the for the client as well. So they would know that they are in a safe space, that they can experience those cuddles in a therapeutic and healthy way. Um, And as I've mentioned, usually we talk about it in two different ways. One is one-on-one and the other is events. Wow. I'm I'm so excited to get into this with you, Yoni, today. And um, 
one question I have right off the bat, I'd love for you to just make explicit for us who's something, who is someone who might use this service or be interested in this? I can imagine we all need it. Um, but what do you find, like, what's the purpose of offering cuddles or, or intentional attention to someone? What do they take away from that? Definitely. So there are so many people uh, coming to experience uh, professional cuddling for various reasons. And um, it really varies from person to person. The most common thing that we think about when we think about someone who would uh, use these services are people who are lonely or have not experienced touch in a while. Think about it this way. Think about um, not in pandemic times, right? In normal uh, times over a year ago. Um, think about someone living by themselves, not interacting with anyone personally, and the only time that they experience touch is if they get change from a vendor or go to the doctor or shake someone's hand. And that's the only human touch they experience for months. Now, I think that the pandemic is kind of showing us that we also need that touch as well. And we kind of experience what those people are experiencing uh, some people call it skin hunger, um, but basically it's a lack of touch and we need it. We need touch. It's a basic human need. Um, so that's a very common way of looking at who needs uh, professional cuddling, but that's just one aspect of it. Because consent is such a huge deal in professional cuddling, that's another aspect that's really important. And learning how to communicate consent and practicing, that's the important thing. Practicing um, those consent skills are really valuable. So I, for, for instance, in my cuddle parties, I get to see people coming because they don't really know how to communicate with the other gender or their own gender. Mm. I see people who have experienced um, in their lives where they, they had experiences in their lives where their no was not respected. And they want to flip that script and they want to experience receiving a no, sorry, giving a no and knowing that it's okay to say no. Is it possible to bring that to life a little? Like what is the preamble for you when you, um, <laughs> like, 30 people turn up to a cuddle party. Where do you even begin? Yeah. Um, so first of all, Alex actually turned the question on y'all. Have you ever been to a cuddle party? I have not. Uh, I wanted to go uh, right at the beginning of, uh, of last year, but then some sort of a virus started going around. I don't know. You may have heard about it. Yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. I have not been to, I think, a professional cuddle party. I think there's definitely cuddle parties that kind of spontaneously happen within high and also some other communities that I have, there's definitely an emphasis on like cuddle puddles where people just flop into cuddling each other and it's blissful. Um, it's some of my favorite experiences with people to just all pile on together and connect that way. Um, but I, I've not been to a formal and official cuddle puddle party and I'd love to hear what it's like from your perspective. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, and Kate, you hit the nail on the head. There's a difference between just a bunch of people getting together and cuddling, which is beautiful. And I'm all for it. <laughs> yes. 
uh, and an official cuddle party. And cuddle party is a trademark. It is there's training, um, and basically it's a structured event that allows. It starts off with an hour-long uh, welcome circle where we talk and practice and commun- how to communicate consent. And that basically brings people who might be complete strangers on the same page, on the same playing field more or less. And that basically allows you to feel relatively comfortable and safe with people you've never known because you you have all practiced this consent. The people who are facilitating this event, I, I'm getting the sense that there is some training involved in their expertise to be able to hold that container and teach those skills. That is correct. That is correct. You can go to cuddleparty.com and see what the Cuddle Party training uh, includes. And it also includes a course called Foundations of Facilitation, which allows you to uh, run events. And I highly recommend it. It's great. Uh, but yes, specifically for cuddle parties, we learn how to facilitate those events and and what goes into it and how to um, how to communicate consent in those in those spaces. Mm, beautiful. So, kind of following up with Haya's original question, then. So, at these cuddle parties, what might you expect to experience? Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned, we have an hour long where we just talk about consent and we practice it, which is also really important. I can kind of share some uh, exercises and stuff like that as well. And after that hour, we transition into what we like to call free range cuddling, which basically means that if you want to, you're invited to cuddle, but no one ever has to cuddle at a cuddle party ever. They can choose not to and just experience the space, talk with people. Really, it's a wonderful experience and very different than you have to experience it in order to know what it actually is. But yes, people get to cuddle and people get to just sit and talk or stand and eat at the snack table, whatever they choose to do. And at the end, we have a little closing circle uh, to kind of bring us all together again. Beautiful. And I'm wondering how you got brought into this world. How did you discover uh, cuddle parties and when did you become inspired to become a certified cuddleist yourself? Yeah. So uh, I actually did start with cuddleist first, which is the one-on-one cuddling, which is um, which we haven't gotten a chance to talk about. But it's basically the same thing, only, well, it's not the same thing, but you basically hire someone to give you individual attention for that hour. And um, I started off with Cuddlist. And the way I started off was basically I was always told that I have great hugs. And um, I really wanted to share them with people. And I thought, ooh, this will be a great opportunity for me to share that those that touch that is very helpful for a lot of people I've been told throughout my life. And only when I started my cuddlist training uh, did I understand how important the consent part was and how much learning and unlearning we have to do in this subject. And that drew me in even closer and kind of I understood that it's kind of like a calling to share those ideas and concepts Uh, because surprisingly, we don't teach consent, not to our kids and not to our adults, or at least not enough. 
And uh, so that's what really drew me in. And after a few months, I also uh, started the Cuddle Party training. And up to the pandemic, I ran a cuddle party here in San Francisco every month for three years uh, consecutively, which was amazing and really difficult to stop, uh, but very important for our safety to stop. I am um, really intrigued by... So where my mind went is that there are other contexts where people pay for touch, right? And it feels like um, it is very different. But um, some of the people to whom I've spoken about uh, about prostitution, um, they talk about not necessarily about the sexual part, but about the touch and the cuddling and the communication, the clear boundaries, the ability to just walk away at the end. And I feel like you guys have kind of come at the same issue, but from a from a d- very different angle. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, thank you. That's a great point. And let's think about it this way. When people go to their therapist, their psychologist, and they work with them, they talk about their uh, difficulties and challenges. And it's all talk, and it's so important really important, but it's all neck up. Uh, Licensed therapists cannot even give a hug to a a client who is having a hard time. Which is so sad because I've definitely been in sessions where I would be like, you know what, (laughs) I just need a hug right now. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. And it's all neck up, which again is fantastic. It's really needed, but we're ignoring everything necked down. And so, so we have to find our own ways of uh, dealing with how am I going to treat my body neck down. And some people might go to uh, massage therapy just because it's getting touch. Not exactly the touch that you want, but it's something. Some people will go to sex workers and that's fantastic because they get what they need. A lot of times sex workers treat people and give them what they need, which is not the sex part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They give them that affection. They give them that attention, which is so sorrowly needed. Oh, yeah. And there's an orgasm there. And and our society is so hung up on equating touch to sex. And sex is such a taboo in our culture that we look poorly at sex workers when they are actually healers in many ways. Mm -hmm. Now, so we were talking about sex workers, but we can also talk about um, intimacy surrogates. Intimacy surrogates are, uh, it's a profession that work in tandem with therapy. So basically there's a triadic model between the client, the therapist, and the intimacy surrogate. And they all work together. There's a certain way that they work together, but basically the client has a session with the therapist and then has a session with the intimacy surrogate. And they are exactly that. They're a surrogate because they don't have someone in their life um, that can fill that gap in order for them to experience intimacy. It strikes me that there is so many models of interacting that we keep running into that way, you know. Uh, I know a number of people who go and get haircuts uh, in, in part to get a head massage, a scalp massage, and someone to talk to, um, which I feel is a very similar kind of 
um, approach to the same thing. It's self-care. It's like you, you pay somebody money to get self-care, but it's also about touch. It's about communication. It's about all these kind of uh, overlapping Venn diagram of human needs. Yeah, definitely. But but think about it. They're basically doing something. They're they're tolerating something in order to receive something else. Mm-hmm. So they are consenting, kind of, to the whole treatment, but they actually want only a part of the treatment. And here's a service that focuses only on that part and gives you someone who is specifically professionalized on that part. That's their specialization. Yeah. And I think within High, we are pretty big on, you know, asking for what you want, asking for what you need. And it is almost as big of a taboo as some of the other things we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So how does that play out at a, um, like as a professional cuddler? Like if somebody comes to you and says, hey, like what is a typical request? What do people dare ask for? Or how do you tease that out of people, what they actually do want to ask for if they're too shy to ask? So if I understand your question correctly, you're talking about already within a session, how that works. Yeah, or I guess somebody walks in through the door or um, initially starts a conversation with you. Yeah. So so when someone makes uh, what we like to call a cuddle request, <laughs> someone reaching out and wanting to have a cuddle session... Um, it really depends. We have our own um, way of screen ways of screening people, but basically, it really depends on what they need. And some people say, "I've been lonely for a while." Some people say, "I haven't been sleeping." I've gotten requests from people who just broke up and just need someone to hold them and to cry, and they don't have that person. So this is a, a wonderful. Um, um, stand in for that. I've had someone who uh, his husband died a few years ago and every time that they went on Grindr, all they got was sex, but they actually wanted someone to hold them. Mm-hmm. So um, so here is a solution for someone that you know that you don't have to, again, tolerate something that you don't want in order to get what you do want but you can actually ask specifically for what you want. And if the other person agrees, in this case, the cuddle professional, then you get it. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, it's striking me how, well, I, I definitely have gone through a journey around how important touch is during the pandemic. I have a partner and I feel so grateful to have someone to cuddle at night during this pandemic, but both of my parents... They're separated and live alone, and they both went through, I'd say, trauma of not having touch. Um, I just went home to visit my dad, who's now fully vaccinated, um, and it was the first time I'd seen him in 15 months, and I hugged him, and he burst into tears because he hadn't been hugged in over a year. Um, so I'm right there with you on that. I think it really is, it, it, you know, I, it's a horrible thing that's happened to people this past year, but I, I hope that it is also a path towards illuminating how crucial human touch is to well-being. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm touched by this work and by what you're bringing and offering. Thank you. And I see what you did there. Um, No, uh, (laughs) but but, um, I want to talk about two subjects and I'll start, I'll just say this now. I want to talk about what it looks like post-pandemic, but first of all, I want to talk about the lack of touch 
with platonic touch with people in our lives. Mm-hmm. And you bring up really important uh, things, and I'm so glad that you could uh, share touch with your father and give give him that. Um, because touch has become equated with sex in our lives, in, in our society, and sex is taboo, we don't talk about touch and we don't experience touch that is safe and wanted between friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets worse for men with men. Um, in order for men to share uh, share touch with one another, it has to be this, you know, yeah. this kind of thumping. Urgh. And uh, you know that uh, there's a joke about um, when when men hug one another, they kind of do three pats on the back, like, and mm-hmm. and that's basically <laughs> that basically means we're not gay. Um, and, and, and that <laughs> kind of I love that that kind of uh, you have to make that excuse in order for you because homophobia is so strong and internal homophobia is so strong uh, that we have to make excuses and look at the lengths at which we got to that two men hugging is you know, could be perceived as gay and gay is so terrible that I have to run run for the hills from it and, and obfuscate it when all I really just need is a hug. You're a fucking human. We need hugs. We need that touch. When, when you're hungry, your stomach crawls. When you're thirsty, your throat get parched. When you haven't had touch in a while, your body you doesn't... It. No, that's the thing. You don't. Because your body doesn't have a mechanism of telling you you haven't been touched in a while. You might feel depressed. You might feel down. Depression. Yeah. Right. But that's not a a, a visceral, immediate, you know, like stomach growling or dry throat. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And that's the thing. It's really hard for us to know. Uh, I kind of went off on a tangent. I'm sorry, but but it, it's really important for us to to also um, consciously put our attention towards um, the need of touch in our lives. And it's I think it's a good thought exercise to for the men in the audience to kind of think about what feels comfortable for them in experiencing touch, a hug with other men, a hug. I'm saying like. 30 seconds hug with another man and not feeling that they what feelings does it bring up to them and what kind of thoughts I just want you to think about it and and look introspect about it yeah I um, did a really interesting experiment Yoni at a uh, regional burn where I was carrying a little sign around that said free hugs and you know it's it was wonderful. I got lots of lots of hugs uh, from lots of people on MDMA, of course, but also people who are stone cold sober and just wanted hugs. But I, I it struck me the difference between the genders of how some guys felt like they had to hug me aggressively, like kind of bear hug, bear crush me to death. And I was like, don't get me wrong, I like a good firm hug, but you don't have to try and kill me. <laughs> and I felt like that is 
uh, another instance of the thing you were just talking about. It's like, I'm definitely not gay. Look at how strong I am kind of thing. And I'm like, well, guys, we're at a big, we're at a festival that is literally called Love Burn. It feels like we should be able to express uh, physical touch and love to relative strangers. That's exactly it. And, and as you've mentioned, this is a slice of the population that opted to be in such an event. Mm-hmm. And still, it is so ingrained in us. Yeah, I've, I've read that the relationship that men build with their intimate partners, oftentimes women, is the relationship that they get touch and intimacy with. Where women, there's more oftentimes much more room to get those intimacy needs met with their own friends. Women are uh, oftentimes comfortable touching and cuddling and saying, I love you uh, much more than men are with other men. And so their primary relationships have this pressure on them for men. And if men become single later in life, you know, they're less likely to live as long because they don't get that touch, that cuddling, that nurturing um, from their primary partner anymore. And so they don't, then they don't get it from the extended community. That is 100% true. And yeah. and I, I want to bring up a different subject because we've been talking about men and women, uh, which is the majority of the population, but we also have uh, other minority groups specifically right now. I want to talk about um, uh, gender nonconforming, non-binary, genderqueer, trans folks, which have a he- even harder time. Yes. Uh, they have a harder time... Uh, in dating a lot of times, and even more so receiving touch that is safe and platonic and really, really needed. And I want to shout out to to our uh, trans folks communities and, you know, offer them hugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't give them hugs. Offer them hugs if they need, because many people do need it. And we we need to pay more attention to people are not getting it. And once again, that's just one minority group. Minority group. I'm so grateful that you brought that up. I think that's a huge part of what we want to do in the world here is inc- bring more inclusivity to the groups uh, that are often marginalized and oppressed. And in terms of intimacy, that can become just so much more intensified, I think, um, in the effects of what we often feel around isolation and um, not being seen, not having the touch we need, and especially uh, if you're experiencing oppression, that can just become that much more heightened. And I, I want to ask you: we're we're touching on this this pain point in our culture that this is something that is not freely accessed. I think the idea of a cuddle party would, uh, you know, make a lot of people in the world and certainly in our country uncomfortable. Um, maybe not our listeners, but I I wonder how we begin to address that. And I'm curious, specifically in terms of being a cuddlist or or hosting cuddle parties, how do you begin to kind of undo some of those detrimental cultural barriers towards touch? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I see, I see that question as read as two different ways. One is how do I unravel all of this social conditioning that that we've had in our lives and the second is what do we do 
once the pandemic is over or once people are vaccinated? Mm -hmm. And how do we approach that? So for the first question, we've kind of been talking about it the whole, the whole time. Just just understanding that it's an issue, just understanding that it's it's the person's journey and they might be in a different place right now and right now they won't feel comfortable getting and getting in there and spooning with people and they might just be comfortable sitting and talking with someone or holding hands and that is absolutely okay but kind of uh, understanding that it, there needs to be a safe space for them safety is a huge deal in this it is i think it's um, the center of all of this is safety um, and then communicating your your wants and um, and basically practicing that more and more until you feel comfortable and I can tell you running cuddle parties for three years and being a professional cuddler really changed the ways that I communicate what I want and what I don't want and I uh, feel more comfortable saying no to things and I say them gracefully but also um, speak for myself and, and say what I want. So it, 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 just the the sheer practice of it is very important. But people need to want it. They, it can't just be thrust upon them. And once again, it's all about consent. They have to want to step towards that. And that's difficult. So that's about the first part. And so once again, you create safety, you give certain structure for consent, and then uh, being able to actually have that attention and touch. So that's about the first part. The second part is the second question is is complex because what we've basically been doing the past year um, is we've been teaching ourselves to fear humans. Uh, when we walk down the street and we see someone coming up to us, we our brains immediately are they wearing a mask? Are they six feet apart? Are they um, uh, are they uh, uh, safe enough for me? Do I know them? So on and so forth. And we basically immediately fear them. And that's good. That's important in order for us to keep uh, ourselves safe and alive um, during this pandemic. However, once we have vaccinations and herd immunity and hopefully uh, soon this pandemic will be eradicated uh, to an extent, we will need to unlearn all of this. And we would need to uh, find ways for us to uh, feel comfortable in approaching people and sharing space and touch with them. And that's a difficult thing to do. And I think we need to be aware of it and take things gradually. Um, that's my tip for y'all. Don't immediately go and have a 50-person party. Start out with just meeting one-on-one, -on -one, go to a picnic outdoors, um, start getting closer to people to get yourself back into the swing of things, uh, no pun intended in this case, um, but um, <laughs> get yourself more comfortable for hu to humans and interacting with them because it is a thing and we need to be aware of its intensity in ourselves, how how much did I teach myself to be afraid of other humans and how can I unlearn that? I think that's a big thing. Yeah, it's almost like a muscle we haven't been using, right? Like 
will need to kind of warm back up that uh, that muscle of interaction with other people. And we may find that we're hypersensitive to touch and interactive act, interaction now that we've been apart for so long. I, I'm I really agree, appreciating it, that. Yeah. I agree, but it's even more than that. We've trained the opposite muscle. Mm. Yeah, suspicion and fear. Mm, huh? Right, right. And that's also important to address and pay attention to. Mm. Well, it's, a, it's the biggest contrast ever. I think one of the last thing I did before everybody went into lockdown was a high workshop. And, you know, I was in a room with 40 other people hugging people. And like when we came out the other side, um, that was basically the last interaction I've had with, with strangers. And so the contrast from from that to this was insane. And right now... Um, I can't imagine actually just walk straight up walking into a workshop room and doing the same thing. Um, it is, it's not that it's terrifying. It's just so alien. It's just completely otherworldly in the original sense of the word. And I hasten to add, I can't wait for being able to do that again. And your advice about how to ease into this is, uh, I'm going to spend some time thinking about that because I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm about to get my second vaccine and I, you know, I definitely feel this pull towards other humans again, but you're right. It's, there's something in there that is, uh, that's a little scary as well. I'm, I wish we had another whole hour to spend with you. It's just such an amazing topic. And, um, I, if there, if our listeners are similar to me and that they did not know that this exists, I hope that you will go and learn more about it. I certainly will. Um, and I just have so appreciated the way that you've shown up on this podcast to speak about your experience and the impact that you make as a cuddleist and um, what's behind that. So thank you for sharing, Yoni. So where can people find out more about you? Yeah, definitely. So you can find me at um, uh, yonialkin.com. That's my website. You can find me on social media at uh, dryonialkin. That's Dr. Yoni Alkin. Uh, you can uh, also look up The Book of Cuddles uh, to find out more about uh, the book itself. And if you're interested in cuddle parties, once they come back into fashion and you are in the Bay Area, you can find us at sfcuddles.com. Mm. And we'll drop notes to all of that in our show notes. Yoni, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Hi and Kate. It's been a pleasure. It's really wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Awareness Podcast. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, please visit our website at hi.org. That is H-A-I dot org. As always, it was a pleasure to have you with us. See, See you soon. soon.